Most in Danger podcast, where this week, two chumps, who are sometimes called the Regis and Kathy Lee of podcasting, take on that whip Spider-Man. Well, let's let him get to it. Kev, Mackenzie, it's all yours. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Oh, wow. Off he goes. Well, just as soon as he came, he left. <laughs> I feel like this is not the last we've heard of the Green Goblin, but in either case, <laughs> well, he was right about one thing. This is Austin Danger Podcast, and we are Kevin yeah. McKenzie, as always. Yeah, we are, baby. Before we do anything else, we have to talk about a movie that I, you know, we're friends. You're the mm-hmm. best. I love <sighs> doing this show. I love doing this show with you. But but even sometimes I can be the Grinch. <laughs> and just like the Grinch, I learned that I went down the wrong path. Um, because sometimes a movie can just be dumb and silly and fun and enjoyable. Yes. So, yes. you know, I work from home a couple days a week. I wasn't about to go out of my way to watch Marry Me, but it was on <laughs> Peacock. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I have a plug-in that lets me speed up movies a little bit. So, you know, I kicked this sucker into full gear. And, uh, yeah, it was actually a ton of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, the music is fun. J-Lo's fun. I, I, I've i become a recent Owen Wilson convert because I watched a lot of Wes Anderson movies. It's a cute little movie. I mean, I think personally, kind of controversial. Listen, my controversial take was that it was going to be trash. And it's just fun and good, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but it's like an the- average movie. J-Lo and Owen Wilson have the chemistry of a jumbo jet and a bucket. Um, Yes. Like, (laughs) she is, to me, pulling a lot of weight. Like, she is really trying to create chemistry where there is absolutely none. He is a brick wall (laughs) sometimes. But that is so part of it, though. (laughs) That's actually part of why the movie is funny and works. That Um, is true. I love how Sarah Silverman is kind of filling in that Janine Garofalo sassy best friend spot. Yes, 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 yes. I want to see more of that. I think that was cool. Yeah, I thought she was fun. Oh, one more thing about Marry Me, though. <gasps> oh, okay. Jimmy Fallon oh my God. is such a robot. I mean, I know, I know. Now now you're face palming at me because I'm bringing yeah. my Jimmy Fallon vendetta onto the show. I don't like Jimmy Fallon either. Let's go. But I, let's talk. He I sucks. Mean, obviously, so bad. this is a universal movie. So the only things JLo watches are NBC to where she's making jokes about CNBC like she watches it, you know? <laughs> um, so Jimmy Fallon, Hoda, Hoda from the Today Show is yeah. way into the story of this movie. Um, But Jimmy Fallon is the best. A climactic scene takes place during The Tonight Show, and he, like, throws to break, like you do, and then Mm -hmm. is just like a robot. He sits at his desk, and he writes his little notes, and then he barely acknowledges J-Lo on the panel. Having a revelation. And this is the revelation, right? And then she heads out, and he cranes over to the guy. I I forget who. I don't know who it is. But he goes, like, so no ballad? It's, like, it's oh so God. bad. I watched. I we don't have to get get. We're not going to get into it into it because you haven't seen it yet. I did see West Side Story this week. Yes, but I watched Jimmy Fallon trying to interview Rita Moreno, and the amount like he is a. I don't watch him interview people. He is such a bad active listener. Like it's so fake and forced and weird. And Rita Moreno is being charming and amazing, and he is just a fucking. You're right, weird little robot. He can't. I also he can't give it like back. Him. No, he can't give it back. 
Um, so that's Marry Me. Just some stray <laughs> observations. There's our Jimmy Fallon hate podcast. It's here now. Oh, my God. We should make... I should get a bumper or something because it's coming up again. <laughs> as long as... Look, Jurassic World Dominion is coming up in a few months. And, man, if they don't shoehorn him into that, I would be shocked. <laughs> He's in too um, many movies. What else did I watch? Oh, I watched House of Gucci last night. So... Um, <gasps> I watched this two and a half hour movie at two X speed um, and it was still too long. <laughs> it's a movie about a sentient hairpiece. It's a hairpiece <laughs> that lives on Jared Leto's head and he terrorizes everyone. It's a, it's quite a film. Oh God. Okay. If Ridley wants to blame this on me, by all means, I'll take all responsibility. But boy, am I happy. I did not watch this in the theater because I would be clawing my eyes out begging god to end the film uh those are my biggies those are the two big ones nice what a week what a week you had (laughs) (laughs) hey marry me was good overall i like yeah oh i didn't give a star rating on purpose so i would give it here on the show and i didn't (gasps) even do it Um, well tell me tell me now oh this is a three and a half this is a very good oh nice this is a very good hey this could have and this could have gone way worse your turn I mean, yeah, I knocked out some more Oscar stuff. I watched Coda and Mitchell's Versus the Machines. Yeah. Enjoyed them both deeply. Uh, I also watched Hairspray in Chicago as a double feature. Did a little movie musical uh, situation. As I said, I saw West Side Story. Just had a lot of musicals going on. The big thing that I think I want to, I watched that was like my whole afternoon though. It's on Letterboxd, but it's technically a docu-series called Visible Out on TV. Yeah, I was hoping you'd talk about this. Yeah, it was really freaking good. It was, um, it's sort of like, a, it's on Apple TV Plus. I recommend it. It's from like 2020. And it, um, it's like a five-part docu-series of just about kind of queer visuals on television. So it's not just, you know, Will and Grace and Ellen. Like, it's not just TV shows. It's also, it goes all the way back to like, the McCarthy hearings in the 40s and that was the first time the word homosexual was ever used on television and the the lavender scare and how television ignored Stonewall and didn't report on it and like it's just really cool so it's about like media television as well as you know tv shows and other influential characters and uh representations of queer people and tv and I'm really interested in that kind of stuff and I just found it to be really moving and by the end they're getting into like how the media reported on Pulse, which is, as many people know, like the worst mass shooting in the history of the U.S. And it's, it's just really like it's just a really poignant and beautiful uh, docu-series, but also fun. I, I recommend it. It's on Letterboxd. You get to log a movie. Um, yeah, that was my <laughs> that was my big thing. If your if your thing is how many movies are you getting done this year, uh, you can watch out visible on TV. Where can you watch? Is it streaming anywhere? It's Apple TV Plus. Ooh, the house that Finch built. It's a, yeah, it's an exclusive on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, I want to check this out because it seems really cool. Everything on Apple TV Plus that I've seen seems really cool. Apple TV Plus, the house that Finch built. Yo, the house that Finch built. <laughs> you know, uh, I have little nicknames for all the services. You know, of course, Paramount Plus, America's Network, Peacock, God's Country, <laughs> and uh, Apple TV Plus, the house that Finch built. I lo- what's HBO Max? Uh, I don't know yet. I don't have I don't have a nickname because the 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 thing that's <laughs> the, the thing best about these nick- the things about these nicknames right is that they're making fun of things that suck, <laughs> right? right? And Apple HBO TV Max Plus- is the best. <laughs> Apple TV Plus is the house that Finch built because there's fucking nothing there because they're doing original stuff first. 
right? Yes. Peacock is God's country because there's nothing <laughs> there. Just like God's country, a barren field, there's nothing there. And Peacock <laughs> is America's network because it's broken and lame and barely usable. But there's a ton of stuff there that's just loud. Just loud. I l- I love this um, discourse on streaming services. I bet no one listening to this thought I thought about it on that level. (laughs) Well, now we know. But there you go. (laughs) Okay, so shall we get into, I don't have that much, but shall we get into the news? Let's do it. Whoop-dee news. What does it all mean, Basil? We're two weeks out from the Super Bowl, so you wouldn't believe how much Austin news there is. <laughs> now everyone has kind of woken up from the dream of mm-hmm. Austin for speculation clickbait cycle. And uh, we're kind of back to the none until that Netflix show comes out. And then we'll yes, we'll probably have the same conversation again when that drops. But mm-hmm, until mm-hmm. then, a fun little piece of news. Now, I have never seen RuPaul's Drag Race. I have to be honest. Oh, uh, I support RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, it seems really great and really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to drag, of course. <laughs> I would hope not. There's a show called RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the World. Mm-hmm. And a queen named Blue Hydrangea dressed up as Austin Powers and Dr. Evil in what was called a great set. And apparently the Austin Powers to Dr. Evil was a quick change. What? I just learned about this before we started rolling, so I don't. I, have I haven't to, seen I it. I literally. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, we should. We should watch and discuss next week because it's. It seems really cool. I would love to see this outfit. Okay, folks, it is time. Last week, Mackenzie rolled. Could have gotten any movie in the world. And we got this one, baby. Our feature presentation tonight is one of Sam Raimi's many masterpieces. We're not talking about Oz the Great and Powerful. We're not talking about The Evil Dead 2. Oh, we're talking about Spider-Man, the 2002 original that changed the world. I am alive. Are you ready for this synopsis? I am I am as ready as Chad Kroger was when he wrote the single. <laughs> Bring it home. Young Peter Parker is an ordinary kid, shy, smart as a whip, and deeply loved by his Aunt May and Uncle Ben. His life is normal. He goes to high school, hangs out with his best friend Harry, and yearns for the love of the girl next door, Mary Jane. After a freak spider bite, Peter's body begins to change into that of a superhuman hero. At first, his new powers are all fun and games until the murder of his hero, Uncle Ben. Remembering his uncle's words that with great power comes great responsibility. Peter becomes Spider-Man, a hero dedicated to protecting the citizens of New York. All goes swimmingly until Harry's father, Norman Osborn, transforms into a villain known as the Green Goblin and terrorizes the city. Battles ensue, relationships are complicated, iconic kisses are shared, as Peter becomes more and more the hero he was always meant to be. He is your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man.
even know where to begin with this movie. There is so much to talk about. I first saw it. I want to say it was not opening mm. weekend, but soon after that at the PJ Cinemas at Port Jeff Station on Long mm. Island, <laughs> I was nine years old and it changed my life. I, I don't it's one of those things where I walked out of it and it's like, well, everything is different now. Like this yeah. is like huge. I hadn't read any comics. I had barely seen any cartoons. I knew nothing about Spider-Man, really. And it was just, like, mind-blowing. I love that. I think I remember seeing it in theaters. I was seven, so I was, like, much younger. Um, And I remember loving it as a kid, and I had a lot of toys. I remember I had the, like, silly string, like, arm straps you would get where you'd shoot out your well webs. Sure, sure. I really, I dug it, but I don't even think I saw it again. Ever. And then I actually recently rewatched it last year for the first time in probably 17, 18, you know, 19 years. Um, and so this is my second kind of revisit of it. And uh, yeah, man, this movie rocks. <laughs> it's it, I So I think I saw it as a kid, but it didn't, I guess it didn't impact me as much as I thought it did. I just remember having good memories of it. Uh, and coming back to it as an adult has been really awesome, especially now that we are many 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 movies deep into a superhero golden age if you will it is it is amazing and we'll talk about this a little we got a letter about this so we'll talk about it at the Mm -hmm. end of the show more but it is amazing how simple this is and yet how much more effective it is than maybe other tellings of the same story or meat factories producing similar stories Mm -hmm. um it's amazing yeah it's simplicity is what makes it so good because when you boil down superhero stories, like origin stories, they are, they're simple and it's about the heart behind them. And uh, this movie has heart by the, by the bucket load, by the, by the truckload, this movie has heart. The thing that sticks out to me the most, especially on this rewatch, was how closely Raimi stuck to the feeling of the source material. Mm-hmm. It absolutely feels like you picked up one of those comic books from the 60s, even though it takes place in the early 2000s. The characters are all kind of corny, but in a way that has warmth and texture and life. Yes. You know what I mean? The way that Norman Osborn is a camp god, the way that J. Jonah Jameson is a camp, again, like, the camp legends all over this movie, Bruce Campbell, oh. J.K. Simmons, Rosemary Harris, Willem Dafoe, absolutely amazing. amazing performances from less over-the-top people. They had to get a pro wrestler. They got Macho Man Randy Savage, who is the most over-the-top <laughs> in the world. Like, if you could have gotten anybody, it would have been Macho. <laughs> I'm saying this just up front and not to yuck yums, just to let people know where, like, I'm coming from. I'm not a Marvel person. Um, sure. I, like, I don't consistently watch the movies. I have seen some of them because my friends have taken me to them, but I, I'm not a fan of... Yeah, I'm just not a Marvel person. So, like, this is a superhero movie I love because of a lot of my issue with, like, the modern superhero movies I see. I was thinking this when I was thinking about Lord of the Rings recently, too. Where, like, so nowadays, things like fantasy series and superhero series that to me are meant to be swelling, heroic, exhilarating, um, large, heartwarming pieces of media um, tend to, with this modern lens, pull back on themselves a lot. Like, yes. I feel like Marvel does this thing where like, ba 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 ba, the music's building up and it's epic and oh, 
someone's shoes untied. Like it's like they pull back on these heroic moments um, to be funny. Not all the time, but like it is an issue I have with modern movies. Like Lord of the Rings, there's no pulling back. It is like we are going full force with this heart, with this emotion, uh, with this sincerity to the source material. And this Spider-Man is why I love this Spider-Man because it makes me feel like a hero. It feels like a hero movie because it doesn't feel the need to make fun of itself or to be insincere about itself. It is like we're corny. We're It's a superhero movie. It's a comic book movie. We're going to give you what you came here for and we're going to make you leave feeling larger than life. And I think that's why I love this so much. Like I can't think of another superhero movie that makes me feel as good as this one does. I absolutely agree 100%. That is my major problem with all of these recent movies. I I yeah. can't I can't connect with you if I don't have an emotional if all the all it is is like you know, look, I'm a geeky guy. I wear it on on, you know, on my sleeve. <laughs> I don't want to be made fun of when I go to see a movie. Yes. Um, there's a moment in the No Way Home trailer. Uh, this is not a spoiler. It is in the trailer. It's in the marketing where they make fun of Otto Octavius's name. And why? Why? <laughs> He's a major component of this film. And there's an, a ama- major, major emotional beat late in the movie that resonates with us old heads who loved movies that didn't waste our time making fun of it. Um, yeah. and, and I think it also, it alienates the people who love it. It alienates mm-hmm. people who could love it. And it only invites people who don't want to be there anyway. Yeah. That's also just like the style nowadays. And I guess, yeah. So getting back to this, it doesn't do that. It's so sincere and it's like why it resonates so deep in my heart because it just, it's not afraid of itself. It knows what it is and it says, I, I'm going to give you this heartfelt, like there's so many, like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, maybe a, a top for me, a high for me, is in the, when they're, when um, Mary Jane and Peter are in the, in the backyard and like her dad's just yelled at her and Peter's out there and it's just the way he's staring at her is the corniest, sweetest puppy dog eyes, but it feels like a comic book romance of these two kids that like just can't quite get together and you don't know why, but they love each other so much and it's such a sincere and beautiful scene and it doesn't feel the need to go anywhere else other than right there. And I love that. I love that scene so much. It's my favorite in the movie. It's like the two characters are human beings who exist (laughs) in our real world. They feel so real. This movie feels so real. It feels like it could happen to you or your friend because they feel like people you would know. And even without knowing, there's so much that felt like the mood of New York at the time. Now, there mm-hmm. was no way that, that Sony or Sam Raimi or anybody could have predicted what happened to New York between the end of shooting and the release of this film, which is mm-hmm. 9-11 and the fallout. But there's so much wonderful New York spirit. There's that line. And and Spider-Man 2, of course, actually has Raimi's formal response to that mm-hmm. whole situation, which is the train scene. We'll, we'll get to it on a future episode. Yeah. But like, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And the, and the trolley that. at the end. Like, it's just such a beautiful capture of New York at this time. Let's, um, who is your favorite performance in the movie? There's a lot of great performances, like I said, but who is your favorite performance in the movie? Man, I don't know how you can not pick Willem Dafoe. (laughs) He's just the goat. He goes so hard in this movie. Every line is so good. He's just such a good actor. I think I would say my favorite scene 
uh, it's some, it's a choice I love. I don't know if this is a comic thing. Maybe you can give me more context on that. The like Jekyll and Hyde aspect of Norman and the Goblin. Um, I love that scene in the mirror and the way it's shot. So it almost does feel like they're two different people, the way Raimi edited that and, and shot that. It's so good, that scene where he's talking to himself and convincing himself to do these bad things. Um, God, Willem Dafoe's just amazing in this. I don't understand. Did you think it was coincidence? So many good things all happening for you, all for you, Norman. What do you want? To say what you won't. To do what you can't. To remove those in your way. He just really gives it his all. Like, he, he, to me, he feels like such a prestigious and seasoned actor. And I love how you can tell he took this so seriously. And he put his whole freaking chest into this performance. And it really pays off. Norman's amazing. It's so real. You, you fully believe... You come to appreciate Norman. You understand what happened and how he got there. There's a pathos to it. You hate him when he's a villain and terrorizes Peter. But then at the end, you get the full, like, coming around of that arc. And you see Norman for who he was. A man who had been driven crazy by his wacky science goo. Uh, who, <laughs> um, we're going to see that a lot on this show. Who, who had no choice but to listen to the voices in his head because he was trying to do what, you know, he had to protect himself, he thought. Yeah, Norman is a really, like, because of the way they do that Jekyll and Hyde thing, I think of the goblin as a separate person from Norman. Right. And Norman is a really sympathetic character to me. Um, I think this, this series, uh, Raimi's trilogy, does an amazing job at sympathetic villains. I think every movie they have, it, it, the villain is... You understand how they got there and you care about them a lot. Well, we're on Willem. Tell me. We got to talk the Thanksgiving scene. <laughs> the, where... That gif you use constantly. <laughs> my favorite my favorite gif of all time is Willem Dafoe sharpening the knives. Um, he tries to eat a little piece of stuffing and Aunt May slaps his hand away and he looks at her it's a combination of him looking at her that way and seeing the blood splat on Peter's wrist or whatever from mm-hmm. the cut he got during the fire. Mm-hmm. Right. Like watching him put that together and seeing the goblin stick out as he's trying to be Norman. Cause he's the goblin in that scene oh, masquerading absolutely. as Norman. Right. We almost never see Norman uh, with anybody else. It's always mm-hmm. goblin um, after the transformation. Uh, but what an amazing scene. Amazing acting from everybody. Even Rosemary Harris is like, oh, ha, ha, Norman. <laughs> She's I love brilliant. Her in this. She's brilliant. Uh, the choice to dress Willem in red and blue and Toby in green and yellow. Oh, I never noticed that. Oh, it's amazing. I can't unsee it now after I noticed. I don't know if it's oh. a coincidence or not, but just brilliant choices all around. That's got to be intentional. Amazing scene. And then, of course, you have the great confrontation and a lot of great yelling acting from the 25-year-old, (laughs) 18-year-olds. Yeah, that scene rocks. I mean, it's obviously the theme of the movie, really, but I I do love the way that from the jump they build that father-son relationship with Norman and Peter. I think that is so cool uh, because the idea that 
Peter was the son Norman always wanted and that they go so well together and there's that resentment from Harry because of that and the way it builds so subtly throughout the movie those scenes where Norman's like impressed by Peter for wanting to get his own job and 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 he just always sees this genius in Peter and then it just hits so hard at the end Mr. Osborne Peter thank God for you you killed those people on that balcony the goblin killed. I had nothing to do with it. Don't, don't let him take me again. I beg you, protect me. You tried to kill Aunt May. You tried to kill Mary Jane. But not you. I tried to stop it. I couldn't stop it. I would never hurt you. I knew from the beginning. If anything ever happened to me, it was you that I could count on. You, Peter Parker, would save me, and so you have. Thank God for you. Give me your hand. Believe in me, as I believed in you. I've been like a father to you. Be a son to me now. I have a father. His name was Ben Parker. It's so strong. It's like so strong and it really grounds the film in a way that is and connects the villain and the hero in a way that is so compelling to me. I'm, I, can't, I, can't, I can't gush about this movie more. It is so good. I can't believe. Willem's great. But to me, oh. in terms of, you know, a lot of performances in the movie do an awesome job of taking the characters and putting them onto the screen right mm-hmm. off the page. Like mm-hmm. a couple of years after this, I would go into junior high school and uh, right after, so my big fever pitch was Spider-Man 2. That was the one where I played the hell out of the game. I saw the movie like 10 mm-hmm. times. I was obsessed. And uh, I had started reading the comics. And um, J.K. Simmons comes in to <gasps> test for the role of J. Jonah Jameson. And he already had his choices in. Okay. He's on the screen. He does the exact same performance of the exact same lines in the exact same way in the bloopers. And in the final movie, he did. He's he's like clockwork, J. Jonah Jameson. So then the fall of 2004 comes around. I'm finally reading these comics, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that's <laughs> literally that's him. That is him. <laughs> um, I love J. Jonah Jameson. He is possibly, besides like a Plastic Man and a couple other weird like Reed Richards and some other kind of lesser known characters. Not to say Reed Richards is lesser known, but anyway. <laughs> Far and away, like... my favorite character. He is absolutely incredible. He's extremely complicated, even though he is also extremely simple. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about how the goblin comes in, uh, yes. blows up the wall, uh, hangs, you know, grabs him by the lapel, but he won't give up the source. I don't know who takes pictures of Spider-Man, he says. He, mm-hmm. he gets them by mail. Because to the death, he's not going to give up a source. Now... His job is to sell papers, so he's going to shit all over Spider-Man. You know, he's going to, Masked Menace terrorizes town! Like, he's going <gasps> to shit all over Spider-Man. <laughs> that was a good impression. Thank you. Um, but uh, he's, you know, he knows what sells and what has to sell and what he has to do. So, but he also has some principles left. He's not totally unscrupulous, even though he edits the New York Post. The other main thing I really love about this version of spider-man this movie and i mentioned earlier they're so relatable like they feel like people you would know uh and i think that's because the class is so 
present to me, like the the social class that these characters are within. Sure. I appreciate Peter being a poor hero. I appreciate that he is a poor kid with not a lot of money. He has to work to get what he wants. He has to, we see more in the future movies. He has to work to make a living and like scrape by because he is not a rich kid. He is a, a poor lower class kid who was orphaned and raised by his, you know, his his elderly family members and he has a responsibility to them especially when ben dies there's a responsibility he has to an elderly aunt may to take care of this person who can't take care of herself like i like that he is a hero who is heroic in spite of being burdened with real life in a way that feels so relatable because like i grew up poor and so i can see myself in peter parker and um i think the way that mj is done is also really well because you know she's also poor from an abusive household and they don't they don't bang it in but they don't shy away from showing the household that she's a part of and like how that affects her and how it affects how she sees herself and her self-worth and it just feels really real and I love that we are seeing these people who are you know lower class than I feel like we normally see heroes like sometimes they're they're Iron Man, they're billionaires or they're, they're, they're scientists that are, you know, making a ton of money or, you know, they're, they're X, Y, Z. It's kind of cool that these are just ordinary people. Right. Um, that's like the, that's a huge thing I love about this movie and why I think it resonates with me. Which was the core appeal of Marvel Comics when it started. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Fantastic Four were, sci- you know, Reed Richards was a scientist and they went up into space and they did the 50s. Uh, it was early 60s, but they did the 50s atomic shit. But they always <laughs> fought. They never got along. You had the drama of Ben as the giant rock monster and, is you know, all this. Right. The thing about Marvel is that it brought relatable characters and personal drama to, you know, uh, the the funny book about gods. Right. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten away from that, which is a shame. You know, yeah. um, a moment that really stuck out and was really powerful this watch was when Mary Jane comes out of working at the diner and Peter runs into her on the street and she's in this giant overcoat and she's like hugging it close to her because he mm-hmm. doesn't want it. She doesn't want him to see the waitress uniform. She wants him to think that she's on some great audition <laughs> because she, like Peter, has to masquerade the truth which is a major theme in all these movies, you know, lest he think less of her, which is so human and so real. You know, Mr. Stark can't gift you the $20 million you need (laughs) to live in Manhattan or whatever. We haven't really talked about, I mean, this movie is iconic for a bazillion, million, gazillion reasons, but I do think that the origins of Spider-Man are so important. Uncle Ben is so important. This, I feel like we got to get into the speech what do we have to talk about why now because we haven't talked at all for so long your aunt may and i don't even know who you are anymore you shirk your chores you you have all those weird experiments in in your in your room you you start fights at school i didn't start that fight i told you that well you sure as hell finished what was i supposed to do run away no no you're not supposed to run away but pete look you're changing i know i went through exactly the same thing at your age no not exactly Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power 
comes great responsibility. It's just so important. It's so important because it sets up everything about him. It is, it is, it is those words that reverberate in his mind that make him Spider-Man. And uh, it is, I know it's coming every time, but every time he lets the shooter buy him uh, to spite the man who screwed him over, like I would have done it too. I would have been like, yeah, fuck this guy. Like any one of us would have done that. And it's what killed Uncle Ben. And it is so heartbreaking to know that like it is a relatable choice that I know I would have made and that it led to this inevitable moment. And the fact that we have made Tobey Maguire crying in the scene a meme is so upsetting because then when I see it in context, I'm like, oh God, this is a meme. <laughs> it is, it is. Okay. I, I will say, you know, um, before we get too far away from it, Bruce Campbell making his regular cameo as the wrestling announcer was awesome. <laughs> yes. Macho Man Randy Savage, I said before, oh yeah, he's the best. <laughs> I love Macho. And um, it's a real shame that we've made a meme out of it, even though it is one of the fakest cries I have ever seen on film. Like they could, like I, I could have imagined like a PA who dropping the tears onto his face. Oh like, no, they are I they are brutal. It. But it is, you know, it's telling of superhero movie culture these days that it is a meme. Um, yeah, I think is, I love it because it's one of my favorite Toby moments when he is doing that kind of ugly cry. That like I know I've done an ugly cry in my life. And then that that shift as he's listening to the lo- like where the driver is going, that shift of coming out of the crying to I'm gonna go kill this man right now is so good. It's so well done for me. I like that scene. It's super dark. I love that like yes. we get a little bit of like Peter almost uh, feeling the goblin spirit, you know, mm-hmm. in a way, right? Um, as he goes, but then he realizes he can't. You know, now there is a, what did he fall to his death afterward? It's not, it's not his fault, right? Well, yeah, it's ambiguous. Right. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's he Batman begins, Batman begins tear ambiguousness there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it is really dark. And I do love that. That is for me, the difference between Peter and, you know, the villains is that like when poised with this moment to do bad, he chooses to do not good, but to turn away from it, to to resist the urge. Because when you are that powerful, are you kidding me? With with the wrong person, with that amount of power that Peter has, could could destroy the world. And we see that, right? That's what villains are. But it it is what makes a hero to turn away from that instinct, to turn away from that instinct to to harm is is what makes a hero. Because with great power. Comes great, comes great responsibility. responsibility that's it it's the whole fucking point oh it's i mean that that's just can apply to every hero on the face of the earth it is one of the best speeches ever it's not even a speech it's just that line it's just so it hits me so deep in my heart it's so good it's an amazing scene it's you know that whole sequence is just incredible talking about responsibility you have at home you have who's left but aunt may Mm-hmm. Who's like I said before, played perfectly by Rosemary Harris. Murderer's Row ensemble in these. I, I feel like you need Aunt May to be Aunt May. You need to have her be old and kind of infirm, but she has to say the things mm-hmm. that need to be said at the right time, and she does it all the time. But 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 at least in the first two, you know, mm-hmm. she gets that line that was in every TV spot. You're not Superman, you know. <laughs> I just I love her. Aunt May's great. I I I, and I I said it earlier a bit, but like her her being older 
And like, you know, we kind of hear early from Uncle Ben, like it's hard for people of their age to get a job. Like Peter has this very, like this like fiscal and emotional and physical responsibility to Aunt May because of her age and her, uh, where she's at in her life. And I, and I think that that like gives weight. This is the first time I really, so the ending, just not to dwell, dwell too much and move too far away, but the ending where MJ is like, Hey, I want to be with you. And he turns her down. I was like yelling at the screen, like, what the fuck? I don't get this. But my fiance pointed out to me like, well, it's because like she got so close <laughs> to dying. And when people are close to you, they're in danger. And um, he can do that to MJ, but he can't really to, to Aunt May because we see her get attacked too. And it's like he has this responsibility as Peter Parker, but as also Spider-Man to keep her safe. And I right. think that like it just works so well when she's, when she can't take care of herself, when she's older. And I loved that we got that extreme with, God bless Rosemary Harris for doing that scene. Deliver us from evil. Like, finish I, it. Finish it. Finish it. it. Finish it. <laughs> what like, an insane part I know of it's. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> Deliver us. Finish it. Finish it. I know, like, we're talking about it, it reads silly, but it is a terrifying beat in the content. You know, once it you're is. into no. the mood of the yes. movie, it is terrifying. Those, those eyes, those horrible <laughs> yellow <laughs> eyes. Um, it's it's just funny line. terrifying because it's, it is terrifying. Like The idea that she could die very easily. Like, I don't know, did she have a heart attack or was it just shock? Like, It was just happened? shock. She was in the hospital for days and yeah. days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, like, nothing really happened to her. No. <laughs> well, it's... the house got blown up and, and all this. <laughs> like, a lot How happened to her <laughs> fiscally, right? Yes. But, but physically, she may have had shock. There may have been something else that happened. But... You know, much more happens to her later, uh, but but that's by accident. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I loved that we got a close up view of what would happen to one of Peter's loved ones there, so that it happens again at the end, and you're like, oh wow, they're not kidding. So that beat at the end where he's like, hey, listen, we can't, you know, you don't know that I'm Spider Man, but that mm-hmm. was a very real reminder of what could happen to you. If I let you into this. And it's an amazing slow burn. I mean, Peter and MJ are a great couple. We haven't even talked about the iconic kiss. I think one of the best movie kisses ever, even though it looks like he was in deep pain trying to hang upside down with his veins popping out three inches from his neck. Soaking Uh, wet in the rain. (laughs) Soaking wet. But I'm a romantic. That Just that image of them, that upside down kiss. It is so iconic. It is so good. I love MJ and Peter. I love them so much. Not to scoop myself, but it did win the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss in 2003. I I don't doubt that. It's so good. It's so great. Oh, wow, 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 wow. The most prestigious award in the history of cinema. Can't be wrong. <laughs> I mean, The Notebook probably won it the next year. So, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of great kisses being honored over there. Fair, fair. We haven't super, we've kind of talked about it, but the action sequences in this movie... Um, are so good. What come to my mind are the uh, World Day Fair, whatever the hell that's called. The Macy Gray uh, Fest? The Macy Gray. F- I love Macy Gray. What I is she doing she there? Up. 
being fabulous. That's all she needs to do. She's there to advertise her second album, which is not the one with I Try on it. So, I try to say goodbye. I choke. Great song. You know what's um, crazy? You just sang that. You did not sing the song she sang in the movie because you don't know it. Because nobody knows it. Knows it. Uh, I still think she's it. fab. I love Macy Gray. I love that she shows up. Lucy Lawless. Did you notice that cameo? No. Really? Lucy Lawless is the like goth chick in one of the, um, when they do those interludes of just New Yorkers talking about Spider-Man. Um, she's the one who's goth who goes, a guy with eight arms. I can get into that. Whoa, that's her? That's crazy. Xena, the warrior princess herself. I don't know how, why the fuck she was in this movie, but I love Lucy Lawless. Um, but I digress. The action sequences, really good. I'm obsessed with the the, the Macy Gray concert. Uh, I think that's a great, the way they use like the balloons and the buildings and it's all so good. And then I obviously, the penultimate the, in the final fight are so good. The whole cable car sequence going into that like fight in the ruins. Um it's just the, the action sequences are so good in this movie to me. I love the extreme old school vibe of the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now in the comics, as viewers of the amazing Spider-Man two know, this Ooh. encounter goes very differently and not great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Gwen Stacy in the comics and he tries to save her and it does not go well mm-hmm. here. Sam Raimi managed to give us kind of a happy ending for everyone while giving mm-hmm. us the pastiche, you know, um, my, one of my favorite parts of this is, like I said, there's the 60s vibe, but then he gives us a pastiche of the best moments that work in a new narrative that all makes sense. Yeah. So we got Norman as the goblin. We got the intrigue of who knows who's what, right? We got Norman and, and Peter and Harry in that triangle, and we got the showdown at the bridge all in one movie. It's so good. There's so much in this movie and the pacing is so good. Like it doesn't feel like a two hour movie. Not at all. These days at the end of a three and a half hour movie, Norman's looking at the bridge and winking at you after the credits. (laughs) Not to keep harping on it. Yeah, no, there's just so much in this movie. And I didn't, I did not even realize it was a two hour movie when it was over. The pacing is so tight. The editing is so good. It's just, it's such a good, it just, it flows. It's so it's just perfect not to tell my hand with my rating too much, but man, oh man, is this a great superhero movie. I love it so much. It changed my life. Um, I feel like we could go on forever. We uh, could. This almost felt like a movie I was like, should we have gone plot, plot point by plot point and talked for three hours straight? Oh, <laughs> uh, release, release the Austin cut. <laughs> the Austin cut of the Austin cut. talking for three hours about Spider-Man. Is there anything else you want to get into? I mean, like I said, we could talk a million years or do we just want to get into final thoughts? Let me think about it. My final, my last big, my big discussion point was like, we have to talk about Macy Gray and <laughs> we, got we did it. it. So I'm pretty good. I think um, it is a shame that these days, and this speaks to also the kind of the factory mill of these movies. We don't get enough singles anymore. So all the jokes about Chad Kroger here are for me, when I make a joke about Chad Kroger or Aerosmith or something, I'm like calling back. It is my keening whale for blockbuster singles. I miss them. They're the best, but that's it. You know, Um, it reminded me of everything I don't see anymore. It made me a little sad, but it made me happy (laughs) because it's Spider-Man. And I'm um, glad we get to watch it over and over and over again. I had to buy it, and I'm glad I did, because I didn't own it already. Why didn't I own it? Who knows? 
So going into final thoughts and our scores, I wanted to unveil our new five point score system, which is oh, yes. Austin themed. <laughs> I forgot about this. I'm a really good co-host. Okay. So um, I know last week we gave Cabaret four stars and I think you're like three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Um, so just pretend, just pretend that applies to this scale. Okay, so <laughs> the scale goes from lowest to highest. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. Then, Scotty, don't. Then, all right. Then, Shagadelic. Hey. And then five, five stars, of course. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that if I'm right, this is a unanimous. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Baby, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we both had this logged before. We both had it at five stars. I feel like what's the use in lying? I think this is the best superhero movie of the last 20 years, maybe only rivaled by its direct sequel. I just, I flat out think that's the truth. And I think it is such an perfect, and I am a DC person. And this is a perfect, like in terms of characters and the comics I've read, because the comics I read are DC. But I digress because I think this is the perfect Superhero movie. Pitch um, the other DC people I know actually agree. Like, um, <laughs> you know, Jared, Ammonite Movie Night co-host Jared, is also a very staunch DC person and loves these movies. Yeah, I'm not someone who's like, are the, the DC movies are just as good because the DC movies are not. They have not been able to successfully build a, you know, MCU of their own. Um, but I'm a big fan of the DC characters, comics, and video games. So that's where my allegiances lie. But sure, this sure. movie is a perfect movie. A perfect yeah, baby, yeah. I, we could talk about this all day. I want to leave it in the rotation to talk about it again. <laughs> I'm not gonna, but but I almost want to. But yeah, no. Yeah, baby, yeah. It's the greatest. I love it. I'm ha- I'm so happy for us. We have, we have been what, two movies in. Don't want to jinx us, though I might be. Two movies in, we got two great movies under our belt. Not it gonna, is amazing. Not going to brag, a little humble brag, but you know. It is amazing. Uh, all right, so we got to go into our segments. Now that we gave segments. it 10 stars and oh, the confetti has fallen, we have to <laughs> go into our segments. So week two of the unnamed Austin-related drop oh, yes. uh, connection segment. Still don't have a name for this yet. It is the conceit of the show. It is the conceit of the show. So we'll come up with something. Uh, Our main kind of biggest link that you can see is, of course, the actress Lisa Danielle, who gets Mm -hmm. a couple lines in on Peter as a bonnet in the wrestling match. Yes. I do want to take a minute and read off some of the names. There are over 50 connections to Spider-Man through the Austin Powers trilogy. So here are a few names. A lot of them are stunts, some producers, some in makeup, some in music, some special effects. So forgive me. I'm lumping them all together because there are so many. Ham ham. Brian J. Williams in stunts. Gary Archer, a department not credited. John Clay Scott, stunts. Brian Rosso, camera department. Edward Kana, producer. Patty York in the makeup department. Malcolm McNabb in music. Dan Kangemi, special effects. Steve Koch or Coke, special effects. Debbie Dats Pyle in the music department, Gary Guccario or Guccario stunts, Karen Glauber in the music department, the president of Hits Magazine. How do you like that? 
Um, for Spy Who Shagged Me, the voiceover actor Don LaFontaine, who had to have done the trailer for these movies. And he yes. does the he is the voice of the trailers in Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, Al Goto, who's an actor. He was in Charlie's Angels. Uh, Lisa Hoyle in stunts. Kevin Beard in stunts. Kevin Dorsey in the music department. Uh, Mark Vaniello in special effects. Steve Bowen. Brennan Pravat in special effects. David Schmalls, camera department. Steve Koch returns. Excuse me. And, and 32 others. There's so many. The actor Jesse Hyman from Old School is here. Uh, Brad Grunberg, who's also in Get Smart. Oh. Alan Shansky, stunts. Keith Campbell, stunts. Alex Madison, an actress who was in The Time Machine and Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Ford versus Ferrari. Wow. Uh, Elon Carson, music department. Jane Oshita, stunts. And and many, many others. There's so many people here. It's it's so hard to name. And That's looking so through the list, like looking through the list, we'll be reading these names again. Yeah, so if you, you know... If you didn't hear your name, I want to apologize formally, but the show is only so long. And please know that we will get to you. We will and get if to not, you. And if not, why don't you Email come on the us. show? AustinDangerPod <laughs> at gmail.com. We want yes. to hear your experiences in your careers because you all had such amazing careers and we want to hear about it. So yes. get in touch. And now, of course, it is time for our award-based segment I love gold. A hit segment, I will say. This is a hit segment, and we thank everybody <laughs> for sending us the feedback. So Spider-Man, of course, is a genre film, which is a superhero film. And like a lot of genre film, not really noticed at the Oscars too much. <laughs> I get it. The 75th Academy Awards, it got Best Sound and Best Special Effects. It lost. Nice. This was the Oscars, where Chicago won Best Picture. So, you know, we'll be coming around to this Oscars again. What an incredible year. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a big year. Spider-Man lost to the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. I don't even know what that is. Um, It also lost in Best Sound to Chicago. Well-deserved. Yeah. (laughs) And that's it there. Here are some awards it did win, though. BMI Film and TV Awards. Danny Elfman won for Best uh, Film Music. Won the Film Music Award, rather. Yes. Empire Awards. Kirsten Dunst won. So there you go. Oh, nice. Um, Golden Trailer Awards. Don LaFontaine won for Best Voiceover. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Also, I should say, Kirsten Dunst, brand spanking new Academy Award nominee. That's right. It's about. It really is about damn time, in my opinion. She's been a part of so many iconic films, this one being one of many that she has uh, absolutely killed. So I'm glad. I'm proud of her. Way to go, Kirsten Dunst. Way to go. I, I want to note here that Chad Kroger was nominated for a Grammy for the song Hero. <gasps> <laughs> and he lost? Are you telling me a hero can't save us? It did win, as I said, the MTV Movie Award for Kirsten Dunst won for Best Female Performance. And of Ooh. course, Toby and Kirsten won for Best Kiss. Uh, nice. One of the great iconic kisses in cinema. Uh, Danny mm-hmm. Elfman also picked up a Saturn Award for uh, Best Music. Nice. Congrats, everybody. That is the gold. But there's way more nominees, but you know how this is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Corrupt. <laughs> it's all Unjust. rigged. It's all rigged. Uh, and with that, that brings us to our reader mail and feedback segment. There you are. You're over there. <laughs> I have a letter and a voicemail this week. 
the first is a letter from dear, dear, dear friend of the pod, co-host of The Rank Kings and We Should Watch a Movie, Danny Weiser. Hey. Weiser says, hello, you groovy babies of the Austin Danger podcast. It's Danny Weiser writing in because you're covering Spider-Man and I'm a hoe for superhero movies. Sure. I love being a hoe. You're going to love this one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god uh i've been obnoxiously vocal about my dislike of toby Maguire as peter parker and also kind of as an actor in general so obviously he's not my favorite but i was curious to hear which actors have played your favorite iterations of peter parker live action animated whatever I'm pretty partial to Peter B. Parker, voiced by Jake Johnson in Into the Spider-Verse, because I love an out-of-shape Spider-Man. What about you? Thanks for throwing me a freaking bone here and taking my email. Love you both. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, Weiser. Folks, Thank you. Uh, Weiser is the co-host with Ty, who wrote us a couple weeks ago, of yes. two great podcasts, The Rankings, and We Should Watch a Movie, both of which are a ton of fun. So if you like us and want more podcasts in your life, who is um, your favorite? Peter Parker. Give it to me now. So obviously, I mean, uh, Jake's great in Spider-Verse. I have to watch that movie again, honestly. Oh, yeah. I, I like want the I'd, 4K so bad. It, I have it. I can't wait. Um, I don't even have a player. I'm just a Me either. Um, I think Toby was the first one I saw. So I'm always going to have that kind of attachment. I think mm-hmm. it's hard for me to attach to Andy because I like the hipster approach. I think Peter, that Peter as a character is too cool. I think he's got too mm-hmm. much going on in his life. I think Peter should it should always be miserable to be Peter. You never should want to be <laughs> Peter Parker. You should want to be Spider-Man. And then mm-hmm. that reconciling in your mind and you realizing that he has to be responsible and it has to suck to be Peter, to be Spider-Man, is vital to at yeah. least the Peter character. Uh, so agree. that's where the disconnect is there. Although his performance is uh, pretty good with the material, which is... Mm-hmm a mess and way too reliant on setting up a cinematic universe that Sony put way too much stock in too early. Mm. Um, (laughs) Tom Holland is way too all shucks and his uncle Ben moment should have happened when in Endgame, and it didn't. Mm. And so as a result, we got this lopsided weird arc that for me, impossible to connect to. I think Tom is the performer. I I like Tom Holland a lot. I think that the idea on paper for me uh, is him as Peter, sure, but uh, it's too all shucks, it's too happy-go-lucky, it misses the mark for me. And then, of course, the MCU, what characters, what storyline, we need to make fun of ourselves as much as possible to trick you into thinking you're having fun. Um, so the answer to your question, Danny, is Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Yes, I am inclined to agree. I am not going to claim to have engaged with the other Peters a lot. Like, I don't want to. So, like, I want to say this opinion is completely um, uninformed, I would say. Um, I have not seen the Garfield Peter Parker. Um, I but based I have seen clips and I, I know storylines and yeah. So, like, I know an idea of him and I um, am not a fan of Tom Holland. I actually quite dislike um, him Ooh. as an actor. The pieces of his Peter Parker I have seen. They, they just don't do anything for me. And there's a great video essay by a, um, a YouTuber named Verily Bitchy, who I love. And she does a lot of um, videos about transness in media and um, bisexuality because she's a trans bisexual YouTuber. But she has this amazing video breaking down why the MCU Spider-Man and Peter Parker is completely antithetical to what Peter Parker is. And it just 
blew my mind open and I was like, oh yeah. And it, it was it was a reason it was the nail in the coffin for me that Toby is the perfect iteration. Maybe not even as an actor, but just that the way that Peter Parker is written is to me how Peter Parker should be. And that just gives and then I do find Toby to be an endearing and lovely actor. So it just fits all perfect for me. So I think my favorite is Toby, and I also love uh, Jake Johnson as Peter because I do love seeing a Peter who has lived to be middle-aged and divorced, Like, and he's um, so funny in that, and he's so charming, and his relationship with Miles is amazing, uh, and Miles is such an amazing character. So uh, yeah, I would say I, I would be between uh, Jake Johnson's and Toby's. Sorry we came down so hard on the MCU here. Um, Noted it's... MCU haters, Austin Danger Podcast. Well, let me tell you, this John Watts who just did the Spider-Man movies, they gave him Fantastic Four. So I have, I want this recorded here. It's on the other show. I want it known. If I don't like that movie, that's it (laughs) for me. Um, I'm out. He's out. Hey, look, they only get one shot for the Fantastic Four. And if they screw it up, then I'm done. Because there's nothing for me left. No, like, I know it's silly, but there, there won't be anything left there for me. Really. Yeah. Like it's my favorite and if you mess it up i have nothing there anymore look alfred molina came back as doc ock and that's never happening again so (laughs) there's nothing left for me and on that note uh let's move away from the the peter discourse and we got a little voicemail from jim who writes hey just wanted over a little vm with a somewhat austin related embarrassing story about myself cheers jim we live for it jim (laughs) <laughs> let's listen hey Mackenzie hey Kev this is Jim how are you doing realised that the Austin Danger podcast would give me an opportunity to tell a fairly embarrassing story and why not take that opportunity uh, quite a while ago I was living in England and as you may have guessed I'm Scottish so while I was there Scottish accents were a lot bit of a novelty one day sitting in my uh, local pub quietly having a pint to myself uh, a couple of American girls came in, and as soon as they heard me talking to the barman, uh, quickly came over and decided they wanted to chat with me, which oh. was nice. Um, so, blah, blah, blah. Next thing, one of them says to me, say something Scottish. Me, sitting there thinking, so many options. I could, you know, there's Robbie Burns, Robert Tarahill, even... I could have gone for Arvin Welsh and just sworn at them for a while. But no, instead, uh, my 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 head decided to stop on a different famous Scottishman. And I looked at one of them dead in the eyes. Kev is biting his fingers, he's ready. Just said, get in my belly. <laughs> and the conversation ended pretty quickly after that. So I uh, just, just thought I, I would... Um, thanks loving your work bye-bye oh that's amazing jim thank Uh, you thank you that is indeed the most famous scotsman of all time so (laughs) kev like i could see kev knowing what it was gonna be and was like biting his fingers in anticipation i could not wait (laughs) that was awesome thank you it's amazing what um it's amazing what Austin Powers brings out in people. <laughs> is it time? It is time. I am. This is. I'm obsessed with doing this podcast because I love hanging out with you, but I am extra obsessed with 
how how I get like a little it's like Christmas each week to find out what movie we're gonna watch. Drum roll, please. This is interesting. This is interesting. <laughs> okay. This is a movie. I have seen it. I think you've seen it. Okay. Let's let's step back from New York City for a second. Okay. And let's go across the country to a small casino where we go to the craps table and who's there? But a man named Sydney. We're in Sparks, Nevada, and he's ready to buy us a cup of coffee. As we enter the spiraling world of Paul oh. Thomas Anderson's first film, Hard Aid. <laughs> Whoa. Wowie zowie. You know, I saw this movie last year and I didn't even know Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. Oh my lord, Kev. <laughs> I just Come forgot. On. It's been months, dude. Um, yeah, I also, I went on a, I'm going, I'm one movie away from completing my Paul Thomas Anderson journey, and I watched most of his movies last year, so I have seen Heart Eight for the first time pretty recently, actually. It's very good. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. It's, it's a decent PTA. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that it, it, um, suffers from being at the bottom of a lot of people's rankings because it, um, you know, he has so many masterpieces to his name, but, uh, kind of fun that... We have a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies that we could possibly hit on this podcast based on the various connections. Uh, pretty cool that we get a Gwyneth Paltrow uh, connection with his first feature film. That's kind of really cool to me. It is cool. We're starting it off right. You know, we didn't go right to There Will Be Blood, which I don't even know was on this list. But <laughs> we're, we're starting simple. With the wonderful hard eight. I think this movie is often underrated because it is at the bottom of so many lists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's it's more of a matter of, you know, hey, this movie is on the bottom of a list that has like punch drunk love on it. All right. So if you want to watch along with us, this is available to stream on Canopy. Oh, okay. Uh, as, as well as Hoopla, which is I have never heard of in my life. Canopy and Hoopla are both library apps. Oh, awesome. And uh, those are the only two places it's streaming, but it's also obviously available to rent for looking about three bucks on most major renting platforms, Amazon, Google, Apple, all that jazz. Uh, it's it's really worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of PTA and you haven't seen it before. Mm-hmm. And won't it be fun to hear us talking about it next week and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. All right. So that's next week. Um, for Mackenzie, this is Kev. And now that the podcast is ending, it's love that I'm sending to you. This is the love of a hero. And that's why Fibber won't do. Austin Danger Podcast, peace. Peace.